Welcome to Gaining Ground, One Day at a Time. Brought to you by Dr. Tron Malachowski. All right, this is Dr. Tron Malachowski with Gaining Ground One Day at a Time. You know, as you guys know, the whole purpose of this, we put this together because we just simply found a need um, after, let's just say, taking care of a lot of patients over the years. I've had a number of conversations over the years where I've just learned that people need to know more about certain aspects of life. And at that moment, I don't have 15 to 20 minutes to work on equipping them with what they need. But more importantly, I also realized too that I've got specific training in one thing and a professional in one thing, but I realized that like there's other people that I have in my life and other people are connected to that can work on bringing those tools to people to work on improving their quality of life. Because if like, if we're not helping out each other, like what the heck are we doing? Exactly, wellness is multifaceted too. So, yes. Yeah, so. so today we have the opportunity to hang out with Maggie Tolucci. Say what's up, what's up? Yeah, Maggie is, um, she started a nonprofit called Iron Wolf Recovery, and she also has some consulting services as well that we'll eventually get into. Mm -hmm. But her story is fascinating. Um, the story of going through addiction, what she went through with herself, her family, and what she's gotten back to is incredible. And not only has that been an incredible ride, but it's been, it's been neat to watch her be able to turn something that was really negative or a bad time in her mm -hmm. life and flip it into something that's changed other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to waste any of your time. I don't want to work on getting right into it. Um, tell me about your story. Okay. Tell me about like what's happened. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest pieces, the most um, exciting aspects of recovery is the opportunity to speak in various settings and, and share my experience, strength and hope in various settings. And, and um, for me, addiction was really a lifelong thing. Um, I dealt with pretty severe uh, substance use disorder from the time I was 13. Uh, up until 32, when I finally came into recovery. Addiction took me to life support. I mean, my last use was life support, and I had lost everything. Um, and my options were to either um, go figure life out on my own and be homeless or seek treatment, and, and I chose to go to treatment. I went to a white bison treatment facility, and so that is the Native American approach to wellness. And it was there that I learned uh, about uh, their culture, spirituality, um, the way that they approach wellness, and that felt really right for me. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> you know, I'm incredibly lucky that that I had funds enabled, to, you know, that enabled me to go there. You know, a lot yeah. of folks financial barriers are a real thing. And, and um, so luckily I had a house to sell to go to treatment. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> in any event, um, after my time out there, I realized that, you know, in the low country, which is, you know, where my children are and 
um, obviously, you know, where my family is um, when I came back, because where I went was, was out in Utah, when I came back, um, there wasn't anything that was like that here. And interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So I knew that um, I knew that I wanted to promote this narrative of wellness in a very unique way, using a lot of the things that I learned while in treatment out west. And, and physical activity has, was a very important aspect of, of what I was taught out there. Uh, the of that particular regiment. Mm -hmm. Movement, movement's very important. Celebrating our bodies, learning to, to be in our bodies. And, and you know, ultimately for many of us, not even those of us with substance use disorder, but for many of us, you know, our bodies have, they store trauma. They have once been places you know, of significant trauma. So sometimes like being in our own skin is very uncomfortable. And so if we, if we implement movement, whether it be with a barbell or through dance or, um, you know, anything running, you know, whatever feels right for you, yeah. we can learn to actually be in our bodies. Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting thought. I've never thought about that before. So like when people, when people go through addiction or deal with substance abuse, can they, they can they almost think that their bodies failed them, their minds failed them, so they don't want to like? Oh yeah, we think like, we're like the biggest failures ever. And <laughs> so because of that, it's almost like they don't want to move or live within their own body because they feel that their bodies failed them. Partially, I mean that can definitely be a piece of it. Yeah. Um, it can also be you know the trauma that that we go through in active addiction. You know, oftentimes we put ourselves in situations that are less than ideal, and so the things that we experience. Um, can be very uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good point. And yeah, absolutely. I've never thought about that before, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah, because we, ultimately I saw at the end of my drug and alcohol use, I, I thought death would be easier because I was so unworthy of life. Like mm. that's where it takes us. Yeah. If that makes sense. No. No, I mean, I dealt with a, with some depression in my life, which mm -hmm. I've talked openly about on the podcast, and I understand what that's like. Yeah, you know, just in a different way. Um, so that's it's it's amazing that you were able to take that take that you know depth of of problems and issues mm -hmm. and create something magical out of yeah. it. Talk to me about what you've been able to create in the environment that like you don't see here necessarily in the Southeast or the low country. Like what have you been able to create out of this? So, um, well, I came into to recovery in 2017. And so since that time, um, I have been able to one, show up for my children um, and be a really, Praise God really, for that, right, huh? right. Yeah. Be like a really. Let's just pause and clap for her, right? Yay, Yay. my babies. Yeah. Um, but I've been able to show up for my kids and actually be a mom and, and be a reliable, dependable mom, you know, the mom that they deserve. Um, so that's my biggest, my biggest accomplishment. Uh, but um, I'm also co-founder and executive director of Iron Wolf Recovery Fitness, and we are an addiction recovery fitness community. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, a low country 501c3 that offers free classes to folks in substance use disorder recovery, eating disorder recovery, and mental health recovery. Mm. Um, we, as, as an organization, um, have been able to to begin to promote that wellness narrative that I was talking about that wellness is multifaceted it's not just you know going into a CrossFit class and crushing your body it's about going into a CrossFit fat 
class in learning how to listen to your body, to meet yourself where you're at, leave your ego at the door, figure out what feels right for you yeah. um, in order to improve your quality of life. And that's been a huge, something really big that we've been trying to put out there and, and folks are listening and yeah. and yeah. So the movement part you feel is part of cracking that code with some individuals. For some of us, yeah, yeah. for sure. Gotcha. Especially those of us who are more fiery than others. You know, we got <laughs> we got that extra energy Understood. we gotta get out. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So instead of your you know, your classic your classic, you know, sit and talk about problems and issues mm -hmm. that you'll see on TV and like you may have people go to groups as well, you're turning that on its head mm -hmm. where you're getting people to move and use their bodies in a way they, they haven't been before, never have before. Correct. On top of that, are we are you providing a resource for them to get the help what they need? Are you having like are you doing a group discussion as well? Like what's the format of that look so like? So the format of an Iron Wolf um, offering is a mini discussion or meeting uh, and it's a, a solution focused meeting so it's a general wellness topic and it can be shame let's talk about shame um, we can you know start our share if, if we're going to share on shame we can start our share with you know what what shame we experienced during active addiction you know what happened in the recovery process and then now today how we move through shame because shame is something that is just a part of the human experience all of us experience it in some way shape or form so we offer solutions for one another just things that are working for us as as a peer gotcha um the every now and then you know you will get someone who's very early in recovery who comes in and is just you know they're just a big puddle of sadness and that's okay like they it's, yeah. that's what we're there for we do offer resources so the other co-founder um works in the perinatal department um, at musc the department of psychiatry and so yeah. she has um, a ton of resources there um, and of course I have a lot of community resources that, that I can offer, yeah. offer folks, um, because ultimately Iron Wolf is, you know, Hey, if attending Iron Wolf classes is enough to keep you like living your best life, great. Go for it. Sure. But for many of us, we need other, other things, Got you it. know? Yeah. It's incredible that you can have someone to go through an experience like that, but you know, eventually find the good. Mm -hmm. that came out of that you know like a lot of people that listen to this podcast they know my story of you know i basically broke my back like l5 basically separated when i was 12 and the worst experience i'd ever been through in my life turned into one of the most incredible because it led me to wanting to do the work that i do today um, it led you to your divine purpose it's like what just came to me as you were saying that like you were walking yeah. in your purpose like a lot of times yeah, well, it, it changed the trajectory of yeah, my life, right? right? And you're, right. you're, you're not, the last time that there was substance abuse changed the trajectory of your life. Yes. You know, like the, the, the deepest can be the highest, you right. know, your worst can be your best. And it's, we, we want to help put that message out there to people, help people to realize that like they don't have to accept their circumstances. No. Like they can completely turn that around. They can and, and try something that's really helped me, I think, is to and even today when when things aren't going the way that I think they should be going, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to take a step back and say, I can't see the big picture. Mm. You know, if if uh, spirituality is very important to me. So if I'm prayerfully doing things and I'm continuing to do the personal growth stuff that I do, continuing to move, continuing to put my best foot forward right. and walk with integrity. 
things are going to turn out better than I could imagine. Yeah. You know, I just have to stop trying to take control. Yeah. Well, that's why we called this gaining ground one mm -hmm. day at a time. It's, yes. <laughs> it's fitting. Okay. Because we want to cool. run, okay. you know? <laughs> cool. That's right. I got you. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that has come up over and over again in my own personal life mm -hmm. is that I have a father-in-law that um, dealt with alcoholism mm -hmm. and it's, I never really understood any of this and never really even thought about any of it because it was never in my life. And, you know, unless I happened to meet someone that they were openly and talked about it. And one of the, one of the things I noticed with myself is that I would just get pissed off. I'd be like, you know, isn't your family, I'm thinking in my mind, I actually never had this conversation with him, but I would be like, isn't your family worth it? Like, mm -hmm. aren't your, like your grandkids worth it? Mm -hmm. Like the eight grandkids that you have, like, isn't your wife worth it? And over and over again, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I think, and, and I so appreciate you sharing that perspective and that, yeah. that thought because I think that that's so normal to feel that way. If you've never been exposed to, you know, as a family member, right? As a family member, if you've never been exposed to alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder in that way, of course you would feel that way. That's normal and that's very human of you, right? Sure. But I think the thing is that. You know, for those of us who are in recovery, um, and then of course family members that learn more information, you know, it we lose the power of choice when we begin ingesting substances. It has nothing to do with us. Like I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to get my kids off the school bus and not be passed out on yeah. the floor. I wanted to be all of the things, and I just couldn't until I got far enough away from the substances and then learned how to interface with the world like a normal human. Like somehow, for some of us, we just, we, we, yeah, we need to be taught that. And, and it's not choosing, it's not choosing one thing over the other. We lose the power of choice. You know, the first few times that you ingest the substance, okay, maybe that's a choice. But after a while, once your brain is fixated on it, it's all we think about. Hmm. And we can't see outside of it. You know, and then you, you, know, you become physically dependent and that's a whole different can of worms. Sure. And that's the conversation that he and I have had over the years is that you know, I always looked at this as people calling a, you know, addiction and substance abuse as a disease. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's crap. How is it a, how is it a disease yeah. process? Like, there was one point where you didn't have a disease and then all of a sudden like you just caught a disease because you started drinking alcohol or some kind of substance abuse. I see your thought process on that. You follow for sure. me? Yeah. But then I started to, as we had more conversations, I started to think about, okay, well, as the substance is consumed, like at, at, we're getting to a point where brain chemistry is eventually changing. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think to myself, okay, well, you said in the beginning it's a choice. I mean, the first few times, you know, when you're 13 years old, if you're smoking pot, that's a choice, right? right. You know, right. but yeah. But whether it's meth, heroin, you mm -hmm. know, alcohol, whatever, as brain chemistry begins to change, then I start to think, okay, maybe now we actually are dealing with the disease process. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it needs to be treated as such too, right? And then that gets me into the whole thing. And this is actually why I love you know, your practice is because you do not treat people as one size fits all. Right. We're all unique. And that same goes for substance use disorder, alcohol use disorder, whatever. 
everybody's unique. And so, so the approach, the, the treatment or, um, you know, protocol, um, there is no protocol, right? Everybody's different. And it, it takes finding what works for, for each individual and then doing that. Like I have to do the things that keep me well daily, you know, I, I have to. And, um, and they evolve. I've evolved as a woman through my recovery. And so I don't, there are things I did in early recovery that I don't need to do today or that I don't do today. But in any event, um, it it does have to be treated as a disease for sure. Um, because if left unaddressed, it will kill us. It will. Yeah. I, you know, earlier on in my career and I I just saw it as a cop out and it used to Mm. make me angry when people would, would put it in that position because I'm like, no, no, like you're not taking responsibility mm. for the choices that you've made. And um, I'd have to say that dealing with that firsthand with my father-in-law is definitely eye-opening. Um, and It's helped that. Yeah. You know, like he has a story. Mm-hmm. You have a story. All of us have different stories. And I think as a community, as uh, the low country, as a nation, I think it's important to understand people's stories. Yeah and not necessarily go with the one that they've always been around, but at least be open to listening to other people's stories. Yes. And then also knowing our boundaries of like where we're like, okay, you know, this is a crock of, you know what, (laughs) I don't need to hear it. But nevertheless, you know, leading with compassion is something that, that I try to do too, because yeah, I mean, there are certain stories of addiction that I I can't relate to. I don't understand. Yeah. And I have to, uh, you know, take a step back and, and remind myself, lead with compassion, Maggie, lead with compassion. Um, interesting. Because, yeah. Well, you lead into it, another really interesting topic I wanna to touch on was that boundary issue. Mm. You know, like, it, it's an issue for family, and it was yes. for me, because I, I just wanted to wring his neck. Yeah. You know, and we certainly, I take care of a number of, uh, I take care of people that are still recovering from heroin and meth mm-hmm. and, and substance abuse as well. Um, but in doing so, boundaries are important both ways. It's important, I think, as a family member and also for something that's recovering. Mm-hmm. How have boundaries become important in your life? I think unapologetically learning how to unapologetically do the things that I need to do in order to stay well um, has been a massive boundary. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, I have a close family member who is now in recovery but was not in recovery um, early on in, in my recovery journey. And, and so I had to eventually set a boundary. Hey, we, if we travel together, like for family events, we can't stay together. Yeah. You know, it is not safe for me to be around you intoxicated, right. you know, do I think I'll pick up? Not necessarily, but just the whole feel of it. Just, it's I just right. don't want to be around it. I just, I, you know, I've got a low BS tolerance with that today. And, and that boundary did not go over well at yeah. first. And then eventually, you know, it, it, it turned into, Hmm, maybe I need help too. Maybe I need to make some lifestyle yeah. changes. So, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's, how do I say this? Uh, I think that can be black and white, mm-hmm. right? How do you how do you take someone that's like knows they need some boundaries, yeah. but like they're afraid to set them? Mm. Like, 
how do they work on finding the leverage to work on setting those boundaries? So everybody's different, but what yeah. comes to mind first is self-worth. Okay. Learning that we're worthy of boundaries. Learning. There's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I can really go into a lot of different things here, but like finding our self-worth, self-compassion. Um, I mean, because ultimately when, when beginning to set boundaries, for me anyway, um, it is I had to believe and I still have to believe I'm worthy. I am worthy of setting this boundary. It's okay to set this boundary. Now, when you're dealing with someone like in the in what you're talking about as a, as a family member, as someone in active addiction, potentially, yeah. you know, those are black and white boundaries. You know, I will, and you you can be kind about it. But if you do this, this is how I will respond. You know, letting folks know, like, hey, you continue this this unhealthy behavior, this is how I'm going to have to respond, not to punish you, but to protect me. Because mm. it's not about you, you know? I think so often we think everything is, is about us and, and, you know, it's not, it's, especially if we're in active addiction, we can take things personally. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a hard, it's such a hard piece, you know, speaking as a family member to really just step back from that. Mm -hmm. and like, cause you know, you feel powerless. You're like, I can't do anything, but I want to do something. I want to choke you, but yet you can't, you know, you want to encourage them. You're like, well, why can't you do this? We'll just get you to work and you'll be fine. And it's just, it's just not. So looking into boundaries and then there's also really great support for family members. There's a lot of um, low country resources. Wake Up Carolina is one that, that comes to mind first that offers some really great family support. Um, yeah. And you know, it really, it, it helps folks understand addiction one, and then understand two, how to lovingly detach from, you know, the addicted individual. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I went to a, a few family support, um, Al-Anon is another option. I went to a few Al-Anon meetings and, and that it didn't feel right for me. Like mm -hmm. I really am the other side of the coin. Yeah. Um, so it didn't feel right for me, but I think that could be very beneficial for anybody who's looking for, for support and community. I mean, because ultimately addiction is isolating. Even if you're a family member, you can feel somewhat isolated by the family member's addiction. So sure. you need community. Sure. Yeah. You, know? you feel like you're walking on eggs, shells, yes. like you don't know what to say. Yes. Or, you know, you think you're going to say too much. And yes. Then you do say too much and then you just get a big blow up and you're just like. And the addicted individual is not the only sick one. Yeah. The addiction makes the whole family sick. And how do we heal? I mean, most of us, I, I don't know. I heal in community. You know, I feel like we're, we're yeah. hardwired to, to heal with others. Yeah. Be around people. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. So. How do how can how can family members best support the person who's an active that they're in active recovery? I would say um, enabling is a big piece. You know, so if say you're constantly giving this individual money, that that needs to stop. So not enabling them. Not enabling, but learning what enabling means for you. Because I can say enabling and use the money as an example, but they, that may not be the way that somebody is enabling a family member, you mm. know? Um, it, it, so, so looking into, and again, this goes back to finding the support, you know, looking into um, what enabling looks like in the in the situation because once you learn how you're enabling then you can appropriately set the boundaries are there other popular ones besides money gosh um, like, like, like living yeah there? I was just gonna say like letting somebody yeah live 
Yeah. And and they're not doing anything to um, to improve their circumstances. It's just this con constant victim mentality and excuses and things like that. Um, you know, we are, and I've even had to learn this just as a mom, you know, not even dealing with addiction with my kids, but just as a mom, like I am not responsible for my children's, for my, I, as a mother, I always want my babies to be okay. And I always want to just coddle them right. and, and protect them from everything. Right. right. But we have to learn things in life, you know, and I think a lot of times it's, it's mothers with, with children that end up enabling. I mean, yeah. everybody can enable, but that's what I've seen a lot of mothers and fathers with children. And, and you know, the thought of kicking that child out is like unbearable. But sure. what about the fact that you're potentially killing them by letting them stay there? Yeah, it's finding you know? enough. It's finding enough leverage in their own mind to be able to make a better decision yeah. for them. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were explaining that, I'm like, oh my god, how do you tell a mom to get rid of her right. 13 year old son that's been like he's literally yeah you know been to the hospital ten times yeah. and now he just and I'm underqualified to comment on that. So I <laughs> I think <laughs> I think okay. the best I, I think the best thing to do is to find that community. Yeah, yeah. find that community that's okay. been through that. Okay. Um, That's good. So you and your you and the you and your co the co-founder of your nonprofit, mm -hmm. she you guys actually are involved in the research locally here with the MUSC. Is that yes. Correct? Yeah. So Courtney is. Okay. Um, Courtney. That's yes. So she works. Um, I don't a hundred percent know if she's still doing research at this very moment, um, but yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so is there any cool projects going on with that right now? We, I mean, we've mix? got some cool stuff coming up, but you'll <laughs> okay. have to wait and see. Okay. We. Fair I enough. will say that we are restructuring some things. Um, and refocusing um, just based on community feedback and, and um, trying to put some systems and processes in place in order to okay. uh, run this ship smoothly. Okay. Um, so there will be some changes coming up. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to them. Um, I just want to recognize our platinum sponsor, First Capital Bank. Um, First Capital Bank, I have been a part of for years and I've never had the customer service in a bank that I had from them. Have you ever gone to a bank where you actually liked going inside? Um, not really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say the people that are associated with this company um, that I have personally been a part of has been absolutely incredible. So I encourage you to go check them out. First Capital Bank, First Capital Carolinas, um, go check them out. Back to Maggie. Um, unfortunately, we don't have tons of time because I could okay. probably be here for about an hour or two. Yeah. Um, because of this conversation, Let's, I can always come back. You I, know, I, I get you. I, I miss the you. girls up front. I get you. <laughs> so let me ask this: You may be able to answer this. You may not yeah. be. Um, one of the things that I noticed that you talked about was um, putting a person in a either like a rehab facility. Mm -hmm or in a space that matches who they are, mm. right? And it fits them. Now, I understand that these facilities are, most of them are for-profit companies, mm. right? They still have to keep yeah. their doors open by people paying them. How, how can a person that want, needs to go to a facility or how could a family member that needs to get someone to a facility work on knowing that that facility is gonna be a match Ooh. that's gonna be like good or quote unquote customized for yeah. that individual. 
So, I mean, there's a couple of options. Um, you can do like I did and just kind of go like this on a map and say, I'm going there and okay, and okay. bring it, okay? That's one thing you can do. Um, another thing that you can do is, is, of course, research the facility. You know, what is their program? Is it um, Christian 12 step, but you know that your, your child is an atheist, then that may not be the right fit for them. Okay. Um, so, you know, things like that. Um, another option is to reach out. So, so something that I do through my LLC, um, which is Toluchi Recovery uh, Coaching Services, is helping folks with this fine treatment that works for them. And then also working with people one-on-one -on -one to find different wellness tools to support and sustain recovery. Hmm. Um, it's, it is, it's knowing reaching out to a recovery coach, a local recovery community organization for guidance can also help. And I can also too, if you want to send you a list of resources. Um, and I don't, I don't sure. know. Yeah. Just, just so that you can have um, of places and different things that they offer. The Low Country in particular has a couple of treatment options that, that I personally work with through my business. And I think very highly of them, but we don't have a ton of options here. Uh, you, a lot of times you have to go out of state. Yeah. Um, you know, Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that because that's something that I, I never can really considered, mm -hmm. you know? Um, all right. Let me touch on one more thing and I'm, I'm going to need to wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> is, um, I like the fact that we're able to have a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. And I, one thing that I learned in, in working with my father-in-law is that I needed to be in a space that we could have an open conversation about this and that not only could I be supportive, but be in a position where I was able to listen to him in a way that I didn't have this filter in front of me. And like waiting this, to speak, listening. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Beyond basic communication, first grade skills, right? Is, is like, okay, let me take my anger and put it here. Let me take my frustration and put it here. Let me take my, my lens that I had on previously and put yeah. it here and be open to a conversation, be able to talk about this. Like, okay, where are you at? How are you actually doing? How can we work on supporting you? And like not making him feel like he was the elephant in the room. Yeah. You know, I, I personally had to get to that point. I don't know if people have to be driven to that point. I don't know if they just have to get beat down enough to be able to get to that point. Um, but I, personally, from where my perspective, I just feel like I needed as, as like his adopted son, mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to step into a position to help my dad. Right. Right. And I think what you're talking about is so challenging. You know, it's so challenging because like you said, there is resentment and frustration and just misunderstanding and, and you have to be able to put all of that to the side yeah. and, and op listen with an open heart and an open mind. And then that, so that comes in to what I was talking about, like with the family, like that's the work that the family has to do in order to really receive certain things. And because addiction does impact the entire Everyone. family, but I will tell you yeah. that just the way addiction detrimentally impacts an entire family recovery, that 
that blows it out of the water in a good way, <laughs> okay. you know, can impact the family. Sure. So that didn't come out great, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Um, no, the depths can go to the heights. Yeah, yes. Right. And, and so keeping that in mind too of, of like, okay, you know, his, his addiction, yes, it, it was detrimental, but, but let's, let's look at this as, wow, I wonder what the recovery could be like. Right. You know? Right. And looking at it with like optimism and... And what kind of life can you actually live? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm proud of you for what you've done. It's been neat to like hear your story and like, you know, I haven't been around for really any of it except a piece of it. Yeah. But it's, it's been incredible to listen to you like become an authority in what you're dealing with right now based off of the experience that you've been through. And ultimately it's just sharing my humanness right. publicly, which right. I think makes other people feel comfortable enough to share their humanness. Yeah. Like we're all just human yeah. doing our best. Yeah. We're just trying to do our thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, one of the things that I uh, have always made a point to do when we speak to people, especially in, in gaining ground is really end our conversation with a quote. <laughs> and certainly I asked my father-in-law if I could speak about him, about his experience and mine. He said yes, but in the meantime, he actually um, sent me something that I didn't expect him to. I have to. goosebumps and you haven't even started, so I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he just sent me a really simple quote, and I don't know if this was his or he got it from someone. But he's like this. Now, this is coming from Pop. I call him Pop, so you can, you can call him Pop, too. He's like, just remind them that you only fail when you stop trying. Mm, I love it. Pop, <laughs> like, it's a good one. Like, I mean, that's so good. I'm just going to have to end it with that compared to what I had planned. So that's, that's so much better. That's perfect. I love that, Pop. Yeah. I do. Awesome. Well, Maggie, thank you so much oh, for taking so the time to do this. For um, sure. You know, guys, we are at a groundtogain.com. As you know, we're on all the places that you find podcasts um, and certainly put a comment on there. You can reach out to Maggie um, personally through her website, right? www.ironwolfrecovery.org. <laughs> there you go. And uh, as you know, you're certainly welcome to contact me as well. So Maggie, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me.